We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Fantasy Football Rankings Top 150 Overall Half Point PPR. You want to find the rankings in list form, chronological list form too, like 1 through 150? You go to DraftKingsPlaybook.com or hit the description where the rankings will be updated every single week with breaking news or a change of opinion. That's just how we're going to do this. Remember to smash the like button for the video in the comment section. Give me your top five players overall in half point PPR entering the 2021 fantasy football season and subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Why wouldn't you subscribe to Mayo Media Network at this point? Because we're going to have a ton of fantasy football content, including a brand new fantasy football show, which will be launching very soon. And one of you might end up being the host of that, or at least a host of a few of the days, because I'm doing a huge contest to find the next fantasy football host out there in the world. I don't care how much experience you have. If you hit the description of this video, you'll see a link to my Twitter profile and the pinned tweet that's up there right now shows you how you can enter that contest. It's a paid gig. You're going to get plenty of exposure. And if you've ever wanted to get into the fantasy football realm, talking about it on camera, this is the opportunity you've been waiting for. So submissions are due July 10th. So if you want to get in, you got to submit yours before that. And then, yeah, if you submit them on, like, the 11th, I hate to tell you, then you're probably not going to get it, because I'm not going to look after the 10th. Other than that, there is the biggest news possible. Everyone knows that I've been associated and helped co-found FantasyNational.com, which is a tools and stats golf site, which people have won millions and millions of dollars from uh, by becoming a member. It's a customizable stat site. There's no content. I had so much success with that, I wanted to make that translate over into the NFL. And as of today... I want you all to go to run the sims 
Dot-com because a brand new tools and content product is up there right now. So you can go ahead and pre-order your package by the end of July and you'll get our Founders Club pricing. It'll never be this low again, $249 for the year. But if you use code Mayo, you get $50 off. So it's a buck ninety-nine, well, $199 for the entire NFL year by using code Mayo. And the best part is that you'll lock in that annual rate for life. So if you get it right now, when the price goes up to like 400 bucks next year, because it's so popular and so amazing and so easy to use, you're going to lock in that 199 for life. So again, code Mayo at runthesims.com. So just hustle up and go get it. We have some unbelievable tools for you up there right now. It's going to cover season long, daily fantasy, and the betting market. And the best part is that there's no one on the site telling you, oh, you need to play this guy. You need to play this guy. It's all going to be projections and simulations that spit out and you can personally go adjust those you don't agree with the projections that are up there there are easy slots where you can be like no i don't think that aaron Rodgers is going to have a 64 percent completion percentage i think that he's going to have a 69 percent completion percentage if he stays with the packers mind you and then that will trickle effect into every other green bay packer on the team and you can adjust run rates for teams pass rates for team touchdown rates for teams and actually optimize the projections to how you actually want them again it's not me up there telling you to play this guy or this guy it's a set of tools that you can customize so easily and have all of the numbers at your disposal as you want and it's so easy to use there's going to be an optimizer for daily fantasy and you can go check this all out right now for free at runthesims.com now that offer ends at the end of july but the site will remain free for the end of the month you just go in sign up and you can go check it out and see if you actually like it i promise you once you see how customizable and easy to use all of the tools are and again whether you're playing season long you're playing best ball you're waiting for daily fantasy you want to make some bets on nfl futures you just love props in season it's going to be the perfect product for you so go to runthesims.com right now it is live and a lot of my rankings are off those projections as well i always my customizable projections and use code mayo you get that founder's discount if you do it by the end of july jake seeley from theathletic.com is on the line jake i have made my rankings for each position shows that I'll go into you know at a later date, but I wanted to get through the top 150 with you. So you're going to help me build my rankings. How do you feel? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I feel good. Hey, my projections and rankings have been a thing for years, so it's about fixing yours. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you don't even need to fix mine. You can go on. I mean, listen, you've been using Run the Sims. <laughs> it, it's pretty easy, right? I will. Yeah, I will say it's it's a terrific site. It's a lot of fun to play around with that and see how things move. But it was, it was more for the fact of, uh, you know, just what does this do? Like you mentioned, like the completion percentage, the touchdown percentage, like all that type of stuff, just seeing how it does it on the site where I had to do that all manually. And now I can just do it on your site for a lot of fun. Yeah, like once you have your profile, you can save everything to it. So like I said, if you think that all of a sudden, like we have the Bengals, for example, to pass an awful lot this year. If you think that they're going to be a little bit better, the defense is going to be a little bit better and they run a little bit more. That would help Joe Mixon's projection, mind you, but it would just take away. You'd be like, no, I don't think they pass at a 61% clip. I think they pass at a 55% clip. You just go type in 55 where 61 is and boom, brand new projections instantaneously. The biggest thing is going to be though, when the games actually start to occur, you're going to have the ability to customize your run rates and everything like that, and then simulate the games up to 10,000 times to see what your medium projections, or if you want ceiling projections, because that's Justin Freeman is the co-founder of the site with me he is the showdown master he's won like millions playing showdown and that's how he does it like he 
just runs these simulations. When you play in giant GPPs, you want to take some of these ceiling performances from guys. Uh, and that's how you go about both differentiating your team and shooting for the highest upside. And I think some of that can be applied to season long too. Because as you always know, listen, I'm not in the business of trying to win my fantasy league every year. I think that if you are, I mean, listen, I would love to, mind you. And that my rankings are going to reflect that. But I think you're diluting yourself if you think that you're going to win your fantasy football league every single year. If you play in a league that you do win every single year, you need to get a fucking better league is all I'm going to tell you right now. It should be more competitive than that. Like if you can win once out of three years in your fantasy football league, you're doing fantastic. That is such a high rate of winning. And that's what my rankings are really geared towards. What is going to be your highest upside lineup? Does that mean you're going to flame out and burn like half the years? Yes, absolutely. That's the way I like to play it, Jake. That's certainly, that goes into your rankings. We talk about it all the time. We've talked about it on a couple of your shows already. You know, you want first place or nothing, and that's how you should play. And I don't agree. I don't disagree with that at all. I thought you said Sealy rankings at first. I was like, yeah, that's what we're doing. Sealy rankings. Uh, but I'm a little bit more conservative than you are because I want to basically finish top three every single week, as in like the points scored. So like I'm one of the three or four best teams in a given week. So by the end of the season, I should be the first place team. But to like go boom or complete bust, uh, I, I think that comes down to just like your taste. And like you said, that's why it goes down to your adjusting the projections yourself as well. Like you mentioned the Bengals, like, you know, well, okay, boom would be like, hey, I'm going to, I think they're going to pass 68% of the time. And that's, I'm just going to ride that to the death. And, you know, that's why it's fun to go through these things. Well, let's get to the rankings then. Number one. Yeah, let's do it. Through 10, half point. PPR rankings, no big shocker. I'm going to have Christian McCaffrey, number what? one overall. I'm going to have Delvin Cook, number two overall. And then I think that it's a real thing where you can start making arguments all the way down the board. So my tentative running back rankings right now go McCaffrey, Cook, Derrick Henry, Zeke, Saquon Barkley. That is my top five. You almost had the exact same top. I chuckled when you said Derrick Henry at number three. Uh, uh, I've already made the case that I would never do it for Christian McCaffrey's use last year, we've talked about it on your show. That one game was, what, 97% of the time he was on the field. I'm still case taking Christian McCaffrey. But you could make the case that the safest is Derrick Henry at number one. But it, I still, I wouldn't do it. I have McCaffrey, Cook, Henry. I just flip uh, Kamara and Zeke. I have Zeke at six. I have Kamara at four, Barkley at five. So I'm just a little bit different than you. All right. So the, the rest of my top 10 in terms of running back rankings are Kamara at number six, Cam Akers, number seven, Eckler, Najee Harris, and Jonathan Taylor. I felt you and I did not get to discuss Jonathan Taylor. That was Mike Leone and I. If you missed any of the division preview shows, hit the description. They're down there right now. I just worry about his overall upside because, and, and people laugh at me when I say it, but I think that Marlon Mack comes back and <laughs> steals a few carries a game and they'll end up go ahead you can laugh at me all you want i think that's a real possibility if he's okay coming off of the achilles that's that you can is. you can run listen if he's active and listen if they leave him off the roster or he's not playing in the preseason i can adjust my rankings it's july these aren't set in stone but if i'm drafting today i do have a bit of concern that he doesn't have the potential to be the number one running back. And I feel like, I mean, you can make a case with, I mean, you can make a very logical case with Eckler that he won't be either. But if all of a sudden he can score like 12 touchdowns this year, yeah, he could be based on his receiving volume. Yeah, what it really goes down to is I was chuckling because I don't expect him to possibly be on the roster. We're coming back from 
career ending injury. This like nobody, I don't say nobody, but like 90% of the people don't come back from this injury. And I say even come back. It's like they come back and play, but they end up not making rosters. They end up being a shell of their former selves. Uh, so that now, if he does stay on the team, I really don't think he's getting that many touches per week. We talked about it on another show. It wasn't that division because I know you and I already had this conversation because I saw the same comment where people are like, you're so stupid. He's coming off Achilles, you dummy. Um, but at the same time, when we talked about it is, I just think it's a talent disparity. I think Jonathan Taylor is worlds better than Marlon Mack. And I do have Marlon Mack for 63 carries. I have him for 10 receptions, but that's it. That's not even a hundred touches over the season. I don't think he's involved to enough to downplay Jonathan Taylor. And for my projections, I still have Jonathan Taylor for 268 carries and 40, no, 35 receptions. So he's over 300 touches. I have him for 12 combined touchdowns. And that alone, where I'll agree with you, doesn't get him to number one. I, I think the biggest factor of what why we have Taylor a little further down is because he doesn't finish number one because even if Mac is out of the picture, even if he's not on the roster, Naheem Hines is not going to go away. He's still going to get 40, 50 receptions of his own. And we have to live with the possibility that Carson Wentz is just the Carson Wentz that we saw each of the last two years. And the just, Eagles. And just yeah. isn't all that good. Yeah, certainly. I, you know, I think Carson Wentz is a great bounce back candidate, but he's a candidate. He's not a guarantee. And even if you go back to the season that everybody thought he was going to come off of, and everybody's like, look at how good he, he's going to be one of the next top five quarterbacks. That season was pretty darn good, but it wasn't like he was coming off 35 touchdowns and 4,800 yards. It was, he was trending up. He was looking pretty dang good. He's had questionable talent with him at the Eagles for most of his career, especially the offensive line, which was down to the third string last year. We can make all the apologies, but he's to your point, far from a guarantee of being a bounce back, like a guaranteed bounce back. And the way that I look at it with the tiers that I'm thinking about at running back, like Najee Harris is probably on his tier. I have him at number nine. Maybe that's you know overshooting the mark just a little bit. But when I'm drafting my running backs, especially my workhorse running back in rounds one or two, I want someone who could potentially be playing over 80% of the snaps, getting 80% of the carries, all the goal line work, and still do enough in the receiving game to make them viable. Derrick Henry is really the only outlier to that because we know that he's not going to do anything really in the receiving game, but he does so much on the ground and so much in terms of scoring that it really doesn't matter. Could you imagine if he got 40 receptions in a year? He'd be the best. He, he would <laughs> be like, the best running back. I, I, I still every is it just me or does it feel like every it's very few times that he actually gets this opportunity. But every time they throw it to him in the flats, it's like a 70 yard game. I, I think that just sticks out and <laughs> sticks out in our minds because it happens like once every eight weeks that they finally call the yeah. play. And the defense is just like, whoa. I can't believe this is happening. We we have no defense for this because you guys know you really bucked your tendencies on this one because you never run this play. Uh, I just think that he's so safe. Like, like, but what you had said before, like with Derrick Henry, could you imagine him taking him over Christian McCaffrey? I couldn't because the only reason McCaffrey's not the number one running back is if he gets hurt and anyone can get hurt. Absolutely. Well, I think it's also coming off injury. We're assuming he's 100%. Uh, but we've seen running backs like let's go to the Barkley situation. We've already heard from Giants beat reporters and whether or not it's true. Well, we have time to find out. 
But we've heard from the Giants that Barkley might not get his 100% share, which obviously isn't 100% of snaps, but not get his 100% share until weeks three or four. Uh, Christian McCaffrey could be the same thing. So does that knock him out from number one? No, because now we also go back to the argument that even if he was out for the first three weeks, it's the argument you and I had years ago where we both agreed. When we were on an island, I remember at the time, and I I will victory lap this because you should too. We were on an island talking about Le'Veon Bell's suspension that year and saying, no, he's still a first rounder because you take him in the first round, you get a replacement guy for four weeks, and you combine the two, and that's still a top five player. And that's what happened that year. That's the same thing with Christian McCaffrey. So, yeah, I'm still taking McCaffrey every single time. I was just saying, if you were scared he wasn't 100% and you're drafting right now, I could see it. But again, I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend Henry at number one. Are are you good with Barkley at number five and Zeke at number four? This just feels like the ultimate... People are still talking up like, man, Tony Pollard's so good. Tony, Tony Pollard might be good, but you have to imagine for this year specifically, like these aren't dynasty rankings. These aren't keeper rankings. These are for 2021 that Zeke is going to eat with Dak back. And is Dak going to be 100%? You know, probably. Who's like really the last guy that came off one of these injuries that wasn't 100% coming back? Like medical technology is through the roof at this point. <laughs> It definitely is. And I, I I keep saying this. I'm going to roster a ton of Zeke Elliott this year because people are letting me slip out of the first round because I don't know why, because the Tony Pollard thing and look at what happened. Is How many times have we said it on the show alone? First of all, Zeke was a top three running back before Dak got hurt. And then after that point, he was still top. I think he was 18, 17 or something like that and wasn't healthy for much of the rest of the season. And the two weeks, go back and look, the two weeks he was off the injury report come Friday were the two weeks he ran for 100 yards with crap quarterback play. He was banged up a lot. He had no Dak Prescott, and he still was able to get 100. And he still had a decent season for what he was dealing with at quarterback and with how that team went. So I would still go Barkley, but I don't mind Zeke there. Uh, Again, because I'm, I'm on the Zeke bandwagon 100%. The only thing the injury might lead me to believe with the Cowboys that maybe Dak stops calling his numbers so much around the goal line and hands it off to Zeke, and maybe you see a spike Even in better. Touch- you see a spike in touchdowns for him this year. Yeah, I, I could. Where, I'm looking. I was trying to find where I got Zeke for touchdowns. I got Zeke for ten rushing touchdowns, and that even feels conservative. I mean, even at that though, he still rates out to being a top five running back, doesn't he? Yeah, well, for mine, no, he's six at mine. That's because I have you. I have Kamara higher than you do. I have Kamara still right in front of Barkley. Yeah, I have Kamara at six, and I think that he's. I just don't feel great about him going into the year as an elite, elite, elite running back. I think he is the best of the next tier down behind those guys. Because like, even when I think about the rushing share on this team, like we haven't projected it at 45% right now. And that means, you know, Taysom Hill is going to get his rushes. Latavius is going to get his rushes. And maybe that is too conservative. But I don't know how this offense is exactly going to look that <laughs> if they do play Taysom Hill a lot of the time, and it's not, you know, when we spoke about That's the, the concern. and we spoke about the NFC South that, you know, if Jameis is the primary quarterback of this team, and he takes 95% of the quarterback snaps, then yeah, maybe I'm probably too low at number six at running back on Elvin Kamara. But I I think that's enough to ding him that unknown part of it. Like that's all you have to do with the top end here. Like I've been trying to make a case against Jonathan Taylor, who I have at number 10. I have at number 10 at running back. I think he's going to be fucking awesome. But when you get to this very high level, you need to nitpick somewhere who has the fewest amount of drawbacks to them. And at least in my crazy mind, I do see 
a potential downside to Kamara that maybe hasn't been there in other years. Like you make Drew Brees the quarterback of this team, even decrepit Drew Brees <laughs> at this point, he's like number two or number three. I think the good thing here is, you know, everything you said isn't wrong. And we, you said we talked about it on that show and we're hoping for Jameis Winston. The, the downside in the floor, which we don't know yet, is how much Taysom Hill will be involved. And that's the risk. If you don't, if you want to bypass Alvin Kamara, I just got now granted it was a super flex. Uh, I even tweeted about it. I put you on the tweet because I got Travis Kelsey at the turn. It was a super flex, but my picks were Kelsey and Kamara. Kamara fell all the way to the 12th pick. In the first round, there was only five quarterbacks gone at that point. So you have the five quarterbacks, you have the big four running backs, five, depending on how you're talking here. And then Tyreek Hill went and Kamara was sitting there. I think a lot of people are concerned. They say the same as you with the Kamara situation. And I'm looking at my projections in the receiving department. What it comes down to is maybe the 77 receptions, because he basically gets that almost every single year, is a little aggressive. Uh, because, you know, maybe Winston, well, we know Winston doesn't throw to running backs as much as Breeze does. Breeze is one of the top three before he retired. So maybe that's a little bit aggressive, but it's more of the target shares. Like the target share is still really high for me because they don't have a clear number two. We're assuming it's Traquan Smith. That's not a guarantee we talked about on that show. Is Tra is Troutman really going to step forward as much as I like him? It's still a big question. It's a second-year tight end. Marquez Callaway, Deontay Harris, little Jordan Humphrey. I think that's. I think the benefit here is that I just wh where the target's going to go. It's going to be Thomas and Kamara. Uh, I agree with you. Like in the projections that we see right now, I have projected as the highest target share in terms of running backs with 123 targets, which feels like a lot of targets for him. But now it's seven. <laughs> it's 17 games now too. When we think about it, I only have three for over 100 though. It's Kamara, it's McCaffrey, and it's Eckler. I have Barkley at number four, by the way. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, so I have Barkley for two. And uh, what do you have him for targets for Barkley? For I'm Barkley, I have him at 92 yeah. targets. 92 targets. Wow. You're, you're, you're outpacing me. I'm for 77. I think that's just a product of how this team works. Like when you, you talk about like the beat reporters, I don't believe a fucking word beat reporters say, because according <laughs> to beat, uh, according to beat reporters, everyone on the jets is awesome this year. It's like, okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's because the people who write for the jets are like Tim's friends or something. I don't get it. Like this is this team. If you only read the beat reporters, have like won five Super Bowls in a row at this point. Yes. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm actually shocked. They haven't, won five Super Bowls based on the way that they're reported hmm. about. Everyone. Speaking is the... of which. Go ahead. Can you see it? You got a Jets? <laughs> you got a Jets mini, mini helmet? Hel well, no, it's a mini helmet because this weekend there's a signing in D.C. and Michael Carter's going to be there. So I'm getting a Michael Carter signed mini helmet. Is it weird going to an autograph signing to get an autograph of someone half your age? Uh, no, because I'm not going. Oh. <laughs> it's a buddy of mine and I'm, I'm sending the two helmets with him and giving him like $25 in gas money. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You send someone else to go collect your weird. weird I just realized stuff. you can't even see my shirt. What the hell? Like oh. it's Scrooge McDuck as, as in, in the Nirvana cover and you can't even see it. All you can see is a freaking hat. I have a bad shirt choice. Do you own any colored shirts by chance? Yeah, I do. Oh. I just only wear them on dates. And since I don't get any of those, they've been hanging in my closet for a long time. So listen, you need to wear them on the show. Get yourself out there. Get, get your colored game uh, experience up just a little bit. No, I have a t-shirt game because that's all I have going on. Okay. 
Rest of the rankings. I guess we should talk about Cam Akers for a second, who I have at running back number seven. I think that what everyone wants to mine from Jonathan Taylor this year, Cam Akers is actually that guy with the upside if everything breaks right for him. I think we can talk about the downside of Cam Akers when it comes down to it. But if we're thinking about someone who could crack, like I got him projected at a 64% rushing share of this team, he could crack 70, especially if Stafford doesn't run at all. If he's the goal line back and he is involved in the receiving game, a little bit to what we saw towards the end of the year, last year it wasn't a ton but a lot of people are projecting receptions onto Jonathan Taylor that came from Philip Rivers like no matter how many times Carson Wentz throws to his running backs it's not going to be as much as Philip Rivers did <laughs> certainly uh, Philip Rivers was the hot he was second and I think it was complete percentage and then running I forget it was second and first two there's different running back stats in that mat in that facet so of course uh, with the Cam Akers I'm looking right now and you give him two I have him for nine rushing touchdowns. You give him two more, and that bumps him all the way up to right behind Saquon Barkley on Ezekiel Elliott's heels right there. So that's that's how slim that margin could be where we could be talking about Cam Akers as a top five running back, certainly, especially with Stafford at quarterback now. I, I, I Listen, I, did my, I think my ranking reflects that. It's a little bit, I mean, at running back number seven, he's going to end up being a first-round pick once we insert these wide receivers and Travis Kelsey into the first-round mix here. But do you think that Najee Harris deserves to be a top 10 running back? Not top 10. We talked about it on that show, and I love Najee Harris. You know that. We've been talking about it. It doesn't sound like you like it. doesn't sound like you love him as much as me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you're like, I don't have him inside my top five. I hate the guy. Uh, but it really comes down to we've talked about the offensive line and how people overrate that when we're talking about run blocking. You could have, well, we have every single year, we have one or two running backs finish as RB1s on bottom 10 run blocking offensive lines. And we have the verse side is like the top 10 offensive lines don't produce it because they share too much we want volume and fantasy we want it we want it we want it Najee Harris is going Najee Harris is going to get it the concern here is is it going to be as much as it used to be with the Steelers like three four five years ago especially with Le'Veon Bell probably not and mostly because they have three great wide receivers they are passing a little bit more I don't know if everybody's seen the numbers out there but how much better Juju and Ben both are with uh, play action, which Najee Harris is going to help. But I say all that to say, I still only have Najee Harris for about 40 receptions. And that alone, when you're still not at 50, 60 and stuff like that, it's just going to keep you on that tier right below. Najee Harris is in the same group with the Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers. He's in that group for me. Okay, I think the K-Makers is above that group, but I see where you're coming from. I think it really depends okay. on how you think that the carries are allocated in the Steelers' offense. I just don't think that you go up and get a running back to say, you know what, you're also splitting time with Kalen Balaj and Anthony McFarland oh, no. and Benny Snell. Like, like our rushing projection for him, like the baseline is going to be like 52%, I think that it is, from runthesims.com. I manually adjusted that up to 70% just to see what it would spit out. And all of a sudden, he's a friend top 10 guy and I think that talent wise that he can really get behind that as well because when you talk about like bad run blocking offensive lines I think that is a narrative that's a bit too played up only because yep. listen we're bad at projecting football as it is anyway people make mistakes all the time when it comes to talent evaluation how players are going to perform on a team the timeshares that they're going to see on the field but now everyone's a fucking offensive line expert and how that can change year to year <laughs> it's like when people go into fantasy drafts and be like well they were the number one fantasy defense last year obviously the number one fantasy defense again this year like defense doesn't work that way and although you can see good cohesion on an offensive line and the best ones tend to stay really good until the moment that they're not bad ones with a new piece and some health can get good really quickly 
Big, yeah, absolutely, no question about it. And go back to last year's, I'll, a couple sites rated in, just going to go to the usage standpoint is, you know my feelings, we've talked about David Montgomery. David Montgomery, I think, is above average running back. I don't think he deserves to be in this talent conversation. And last year, the Bears on many sites were rated as a bottom 10 run blocking offensive line. Uh, and you look at Dave Montgomery, the volume, he was inside the top 10. So look at that factor right there. Yes, you could tie break. If you want to say, I like this offensive line 10 times better than this offensive line. And you're saying, all right, do I take Nick Chubb or Najee Harris? And because I trust the Browns offense and I trust the offensive line, that's going to be my tiebreaker. And that's fine. But if you said, I'm not putting Najee Harris inside the top 20 because the offensive line is trash, that's just, you're overthinking it. Yeah, I think so too. And trying to embrace some of the stuff that we don't know for positive variants is something that I want to do in this spot. So if you have a bad offensive line, let's say it marginally improves and then it's like the 20th best instead of 31st best uh, in the league. So obviously that's going to help you a little bit. You know, this team is going to be pretty pass happy, but that didn't really work out for them too well towards the end of the season that maybe they do take a lean on the running game a little bit more. We do project their defense to be pretty good. That yeah. Najee Harris is in a really particular spot right now. Now, and I, I do have him in that group that you talked about, along with Chubb and Aaron Jones and Jonathan Taylor. Like, he's a part of that grouping to me, where, and I think the Cam Akers is one above him, where if things really break poorly for him, he's running back 18. If things break really right for him, he's like running back five. So I think at number yeah. <laughs> nine, it might be an over projection and over ranking, but I'm good with going down with that shit. Maybe I'll move him back. Like, should I, would you take Nick Chubb or would you take Najee Harris in a draft? I would take Nick Chubb barely. And I was looking right as you were talking about that too. I have Najee Harris for the 10th most rushing attempts in the league this, this year. So uh, there's the usage right there, but I just have Nick Chubb edging him out by a slim margin. It also comes down to the rushing touchdowns. Uh, you could talk about that being the offensive line, despite the fact that I believe in Najee Harris, he that's an area where you could say they could struggle a little bit similar to Nick Chubb did back when Nick Chubb was having the issues of th three straight rushes and not getting in the end zone. So, you know, that could be a factor with the Steelers. But if you want to take Naj Najee Harris over Nick Chubb, I actually wouldn't mind at all. But I will take I would take Nick Chubb. He's one spot in front of Najee Harris for me. Joe Mixon's one spot in front of Chubb. It's Mixon Chubb Harris for me, just so you know. OK, so that's interesting. Where's Aaron Jones following that for you? Uh, right in front of all of them. He was the one he's in between that group right before. And then this group that we're talking about now, do you have when you're drafting right now, and obviously this should be settled by the time the end of August comes around and people are actually doing their drafts, but how much of the Aaron Rodgers factor are you playing into Aaron Jones right now? Like, does it hurt him or help him if Aaron Rodgers isn't there? Oh, it absolutely hurts him if he's not there, but I'm, I'm factoring at zero. I look, I think at this point, First of all, you know, I've been on the, I think Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay situation the entire time. Uh, I could absolutely be wrong, but at this point, I, I don't see where the move is left unless he just sits out football. I, I don't see where we're going from here. Packers don't want to trade him. The Packers have passed the point of getting the best potential trade value by not doing it during the draft and getting picks on top of it. And maybe it's next year's picks, but all, and some of the packages being thrown out there are just such an absurdity from the other side of the team. And I understand he commands that in a real NFL situation, but I think a lot of teams at this point don't want to give that up. Like if anybody's ever seen the Broncos one, when they're talking about Nick Chubb, they just drafted Patrick Sertain and they want to include him along with three first rounders like this. The Broncos, as much as that would make a ton of sense to have Aaron Rodgers on that team, you're still asking, like, that's insane for a quarterback at his point of his career. I know he's an exceptional quarterback, but I'm going forward 
as Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Packers. If it bites me in the ass, that's fine. But similar to your point, because you're also getting a value on Adams and Jones right now, if Aaron Rodgers is back, you're getting 100% upside. You're you're going for first by getting Devontae Adams and Aaron, and Aaron Jones in the second round, mid to second round, because if they play, they should be first rounders. Well, back once again to how I construct my rankings versus some other people. Some people will just do their projections, and those are the rankings. I try to think about how I want to draft a little bit in with it. So I have Aaron Jones behind Nick Chubb. So he'd be at number 12 at running back. And that's solely because I think that, not that I like A.J. Dillon or think that he's going to be particularly valuable as a standalone. I just think that that's where I want to go in the Packers' backfield because the price is far more reasonable. He's going in like the ninth, 10th round, something like that. And if anything happens to Aaron Jones, all of a sudden you have a lockdown on that backfield regardless of what happens. So if you don't have Rodgers, let's say he does sit out, which I do think is on the table. He seems like the perfect type of guy just to say, you know what? Screw it. I got a ton of money. I don't care. I'm going to sit out until you want to trade me. Have at it. (laughs) Uh, I can see him doing that. I'll go host Jeopardy and play in celebrity golf tournaments. Not a big deal for me. And then... Aaron Jones and his overall value is diminished anyway if he's not there. Plus, there is consistency issues with Aaron Jones, not necessarily on the overall scope of the season, but week to week, you can see some ups and see some downs. And then if he ended up getting hurt, all of a sudden, A.J. Dillon's like the last man standing back there that he would be in a fantastic position. I think that's how I would want to attack the Packers' backfield and just hope that that happens. If it comes down to A.J. Dillon, I never have to play him all year long. Well, then I made a bad pick, but it didn't cost me much where at the very top of the board, I can make some different decisions with guys that I like better. Yeah. And you could honestly go the route of getting Aaron Jones and then arguing that Dylan is one of the top five handcuffs right now, because I, I agree with you. I think AJ Dylan, I said in the draft for people that don't know, I was saying AJ Dylan is kind of a lesser version of Derrick Henry. Uh, 80%, 85% Derrick Henry. That's kind of like how you have to think about AJ Dylan is he's going to bowl people over. He's not going to be a huge factor in the passing game, but that's you know he's stepping into jamal williams role probably without again the passing game upside that jamal williams had but if you know you mentioned it if something happens to aaron jones it's not like he's going to all of a sudden go only from a 30 percent share up to 40 percent, and they're going to play kylan hill or dexter williams who might not even be on the roster it's going to be an aj dylan kind of bell cow situation so i'm with you and i think the cost of dylan being as low as it is just makes a lot of sense. I was scoping around on deal-.com the other day because I've heard that people have saved big money there. And I tell you, what I saw, I almost couldn't believe. They had auctions on a crazy wide variety of quality products and people were winning them at truly shocking prices. So here's the question. How much can you save at deal-.com? Well, that's completely up to you. Some people save 80%. Some people save 90%. Some people save 99%. Really, the only way to find out how much you can save is to visit deal-.com today and use promo code MAYO. That's deal-.com, promo code M-A-Y-O, in case you can't spell, to see how much you can save. Deal Dash, where deals come true. Welcome to StockX, the only live marketplace for what's now and next. Whether it's the latest sneakers, apparel, electronics, collectibles, or trading cards, everything on StockX is brand new and 100% verified authentic. With StockX, you have the power to shop millions of hard-to-find or sold-out products at their true market value. 
Discover products that are on trend and ahead of the trends by shopping on StockX. Download the app or sign up online to start buying and selling in a few easy clicks. Start shopping at StockX.com. Access the now. So the top 15. So Nick Chubb, I had at number 11. Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, and Clyde Edwards-Elaire would be the top 15 at running back for me. Let's insert some wide receivers into this mix, though. So I'm going to list the names of the running backs, and you tell me where to stop for the wide receivers to start coming into play, okay? (laughs) Okay. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Mm -hmm. Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Elvin Kamara, Cam Akers, Oh, I'll stop. I thought I, I don't remember where he, I was waiting for Austin Eckler. I didn't remember if you had Eckler in front of Akers or not. I was going to stop after Eckler, but I would take I would take Tyreek before Akers. So you have Tyreek at number one over Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, because I, everything I just said about Aaron Rodgers, because Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams are so close, that's a tiebreaker where it's like I will, you know, with how close most projections spit out, including mine, I'll give the edge to Tyreek Hill because you have Patrick Mahomes definitively. So. I look at it right now, and I have a top four. I actually have Hill at number one as well. So it's Hill, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and Calvin Ridley are my one through four, and yeah. I think that they are the tier one of wide receiver. I'd be happy with any of those guys. I think those are the four guys who are most likely, obviously, they're my rankings, to finish as wide receiver one. They're not <laughs> the only candidates, mind you, but if we just ran the season, like again, if you go to runthesims.com, run the season 10,000 times, I think you would see that those four guys at the top of the plotting would be the ones who finishes wide receiver one most often. Yeah. And I, we talked about on that show is I've, I flip Ridley and Diggs. I've Ridley at three and Diggs at four, but I, what's my difference? Uh, 3.5 points for the entire season. Yeah. So it's, it's all within the margin of error of these guys. So then you have for me at wide receiver, Michael Thomas at number five, because I love me some Michael Thomas this year. I don't care who's playing quarterback. Yes. Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, and DK Metcalf. Uh, and then Justin Jefferson, followed by A.J. Brown, would be my top 10 at the wide receiver position this year. But I think that there's a distinct tier between those top fours and the rest of the guys. So would you do something as simple as McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Elliott, Barkley, Kamara, and then the four wide receivers, then into Cam Akers, or would you change that up a bit? No, so for mine, uh, again, I have Eckler with Akers, so I would go both of them, uh, and then Taylor, and after Taylor, before we got into the, now we're talking Joe Mixon's situation, it's all positive, but who? it's always a question, he's he's lacking in the touchdown department, and, and that could change too, but he's just lacked in years in the touchdown department, but the Chubb situation, the I just mentioned Mix, Mixon, and then the other running backs, that's where I'd probably take the next three wide receivers before I jumped into that tier. So, okay, so that, that would leave the rankings now that it would go Kamara, Akers, Eckler, Tyreek, Devontae, Calvin Ridley, uh, Stephen Diggs, Calvin Ridley, then Najee Harris, would, or Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris would be next for me. So would you continue to put the receivers in at those next spots, or would you, you said you would go Taylor, Harris, Chubb, and Jones, and Mixon, then the receivers? No, I would go Taylor, then the receivers. So Taylor on like sort of an island by himself. You have Taylor higher up than me. I think that he's closer to this Harris, Chubb, Jones tier and Mixon for me in the way that I kind of. That's the argument a lot of people will have to decide on. So because that difference is that's the difference between taking the wide receiver or taking the running back. If they're more on your side of things 
and concerned about the workload, even if you're not concerned about Mac and you're laughing at you, Pat, and you're like, but I just mentioned it too. If you're more concerned about Hines than I am, you think that not Naeem Hines could potentially get 60 receptions. Then you put Taylor behind those three wide receivers. If you're like me, I go Taylor, then those three, but we're just nitpicking one running back in this group. Yeah. Well, I'm good with putting all four receivers above Taylor right now. So going Eckler, the receivers, then down to Jonathan Taylor. Then that leaves me with Michael Thomas. I just think that Michael Thomas target share is going to be astronomical and ridiculous. It's a down year last year. He's coming off an injury. He was the number one receiver going into last year. And now like in some drafts, I'm seeing him go pretty low. Like we have him conservatively projected at a 27% market share at runthesims.com. And that would make him wide receiver seven in half point PPR when all was said and done. Like I'm bumping that up to like 32%. If you ask me like, let's just play this game. If we're talking about target share amongst wide receivers this season, who do you think that the top five are going to be? I would say it's Adams, granted if Rodgers is there, Adams, Thomas, Diggs, Ridley, Ridley. then it would be a toss-up between like Allen Robinson and Keenan Allen. Yeah, Uh, and in that case, I would go Allen Robinson. But yeah, those are going to be probably your top five. There's no only, only, I mean, we kicked out A.J. Brown now that Julio's there, so I don't know who else you're really throwing to. I was going to say DeAndre Hopkins, but no, I feel like, I feel like he's that next group. Yeah, and he is efficient enough and scores enough touchdowns that he overcomes. I mean, he's going to have like a 27% target share. It's not that big of a deal. But the only reason that I bring up something like target share is that although I do like to play for the upside with a lot of these guys, I think that having a solid base in place is paramount to trying to generate that sort of upside like i don't want to have to bank on aj brown scoring six 80 yard touchdowns this year and that's what (laughs) separates him from being top five for me and being number 10 for me where someone like keenan allen i mean he's probably not going to score any 80 yard touchdowns but when i look at his target share and overall targets at the end of the year i think he's going to be inside the top five and if you can just have a little bit of positive breaks your way like it's an outlier season for him in terms of touchdowns and all of a sudden he scores 12 or something like that i mean he's in contention to be the number one wide receiver at that point oh it's just the yards the yards i don't think he gets there that's the biggest thing what do you have him out for yardage right now Mm, well i'm going back to his past couple years is that he's only averaging like around 10 yards per reception i'll tell you where i have him uh let's see where is keenan allen because keenan allen is in not even the next group for me keenan allen's like starting he's kind of the zeke of that next group he's like at the top for me and the target share is terrific but when you're dropping from guys averaging 12 or 13 per catch to him which is like 10 10 and a half and i don't see that really changing much uh where is keenan oh there he is um for 1,059 yards and six and a half touchdowns. That's the issue. Like, again, you're not wrong, and that could swing the other way. It's just, I think his ceiling is just a little bit limited, especially with how that offense kind of used them last year and doesn't look to be changing for this year. I think that, I mean, they have a brand new offensive, or they have a brand new head coach. I would hope that they limit the Herbert runs enough. They don't run at the stupidest possible moments and kind of agree, like, hey, Keenan Allen's always open. Let's just throw to him. Right. But it was okay. So the, that would be the issue. I need the targets to go up. I still don't think his yard. I don't think his usage in the yards because how he plays is just who he is. I just don't think he's going to get to the 12, 13 yards per reception. That's what it is. 
Uh, even if he could be around 11 and a half and 12, I think that he could end up with like 110 catches this year. And I would take that even in half point and hope that the, and what you really need is an improvement in the touchdowns. And I mean, it's not like he's not a fixture as a part of the red zone package, but just last year was so weird with Anthony Lynn at the helm that maybe that translates a little bit differently this year. And instead of scoring seven, like I said, he scores 12, he scores 12, has the 110 receptions and 1200 yards. He's going to be a top five guy or potentially even more if things break the right way for him. It certainly could. I just, I think that's a lot to ask is all I'm saying. I, I think that if we got the touchdowns or he got him back up to like, what was it? Two or three years ago where he was at that 11 and a half, 12 per reception mark, but asking for both is, is a lot for me. So it, I, look, Hey, that's just where they go. That's why you do. You run your own projections, right? And that's why I have you on the show, so we can debate this stuff. It's fun. People, like I said, people always think that we're mad at each other. We can have different opinions and argue about these players. I choose to go along with the upside of Keenan Allen because I think that offense is more is better this year and more efficient this year because last year was just a lot of raw numbers being put up because they were down in so many games. Uh, and I think that it's going to hurt more the Guitons and Mike Williams of the world rather than Eckler and Keenan Allen because I think those are efficient throws. I think those are high percentage throws. And I can just see a lot of them in that Chargers offense this season. So I have Keenan Allen up there with Michael Thomas. I think that they're very similar type receivers. That's why I went with those two. If you go uh-huh. on to runthesims.com right now and you go under the fantasy tab, you can check out the advanced stats hub as well if you want to break down all of the analytics per team by week you can sort by any stat that you want whether it's going to be target market share and you can track the progress throughout the year you want to sort by certain weeks to to really narrow it down to oh when this guy was playing and this guy was on the field that's all up there free for everyone to go check out right now runthesims.com I have McLaurin right after A.J. Brown, because this is really the hard part for me. Of Where do I put these guys into the overall rankings? Because with the way that they kind of shake out right now, and the way that we've been talking them through, uh, that picks, let's see here, McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Elliott, Barkley, those are your top five, Kamara, Cam mm-hmm. Akers, Eckler, Hill, Adams, that's your top 10, Diggs, Ridley, that's the top 12. So that's technically my first round when it comes down to it. That's the way that I would want to do it, minus Travis Kelsey, who will be in there somewhere. Then you have Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Mixon, then the rest of the running backs. I want to put these receivers in there, but again, you you have to sell me, like, you want to put the next set of receivers after Taylor before Najee Harris. You think that's a safer move. The, The issue I have with that is that if I'm picking at number 11 by the rankings, then I'm going, like, Diggs, Michael Thomas, as my 11th and 13th and 14th picks kind of thing. And obviously you don't have to follow the rankings to a T. If you don't want to take two wide receivers to start your draft, you want to get one of those bell cow running backs up there. That might be the way you should do it. But should my, I think I should make my rankings reflect that at the same time. Don't you think? Yeah. And that's, so it's why I write that like that article, like how to draft as like a fantasy one-on-one every single year is because I tell people don't go to like people ask, where's your overall rankings? I want overall. I want over. And it, for what you're just saying is this is why is because if you did, and I use this examples, like if you just ran down ADP last year and you just followed ADP to a T and I picked a random spot of the draft, like the eighth spot, it's like your first four picks would have been running backs because of how it fell, or it would have been like three running backs and a tight end. I forget. And it's like, you're ignoring the value at wide receiver. Conversely, you could have a situation where you're doing the other thing and you're ignoring, you're ignoring your need. And it, what it comes down to is value-based drafting people. You see that every single year, VBD tossed around. 
And what you're talking about is that scenario. He's like, yes, your rankings might say this and you're crossing off names down our list. Your rankings are mine. And you get to, you picked 11th and you took a running back and then you get to, you know, 14 or 13. And then you think, well, do I do two running backs or two wide receivers? If you do a wide receiver to start, you probably don't want to double down because now you're looking at the third round. All the bell cows are gone. Uh, you're probably, if you're going running back, you're going to reach at that point. And if you don't, now you're heading towards the zero RB that everybody wants to toss around. So you kind of put yourself in a bind. I would go wide receiver running back at worst case scenario, but that's what I say. I'm team bell cow elite, whatever you want to call it. I'm getting a running back in the first two rounds. And I think that's the way that you should try to approach this as well. Like you can go scout all the ADPs right now. I'm using the high stakes ADPs when I'm looking at them from just the past two weeks, nffc.com. You can find it out there and adjust your timeframes to go look at everything. And what I'm seeing at the moment up there is like if you're just playing it out one through 12 and then going in the re reverse, like you can still get Cam Akers at pick number 11. I have him higher than that. So even as the rankings kind of unfold, if you have pick number 11, you probably do have Cam Akers or even Eckler still available to you in that spot. And then you can just take another receiver or take both those guys if you wanted to. So yeah. I, I don't think I necessarily have to put the Taylor Harris Chubb group ahead of the receivers that Frankly, I would just rather have. I would rather have Michael Thomas than Jonathan Taylor. I'd rather have Michael Thomas than Nick Chubb. I don't know if that necessarily means that Michael Thomas outscores both of them, but I just think that it's going to be close, and he's way safer. Yeah, and I'm not going to disagree too much with Michael Thomas on Nick Chubb. I'd actually, yeah, I'd rather have Michael Thomas than Nick Chubb. It's the Jonathan Taylor one, and even that, if you said you want Michael Thomas, I've already said that to you. It's like, I don't care. You can go do it as I knock my microphone around. Um, but yeah, that's really what it comes down to. I actually have a draft where I, I mentioned this. You might want to just, by the way, Pat, you might want to fade Kelsey at this point because I don't know if you saw my tweet. I've done five drafts. I have Kelsey in four, despite the fact we talk about him all the time. That probably means this season's destroyed. I, I have that kind of curse, a forewarning for everybody. Uh, but I've gone Kelsey wide receiver at the end of the first round. I don't love how the team turned out. But I want to say it was Kelsey. Who was? Oh, it was, Kel it was Kelsey Ridley. I couldn't ignore it as much as I wanted to take. I think the running backs were like the Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb. And I said, I just can't. I can't for what's right there. You're going to give me Kelsey and Ridley. I'll suck it up and take it. Again, don't love the team, but the Ridley, Thomas, is just better than what those guys are right there. Uh, and you can find, we talk about it every single year, you can find other options at running back. I want a bell cow, but I'm not even beholden to do that every single time. I don't even know if it's beholden a word. I just made it a word if it's not. Can you use that in the past tense? Well, you, you just did. Really? And listen, we live in the internet age. Everything's a word at this point. If it's not, <laughs> emojis true. are words. Jake? <laughs> That's fair. Wink emoji. There you go. So this is what I'm struggling with then. So I want Michael Thomas instead of Joe Mixon. I want Keenan Allen instead of Joe Mixon. I want DeAndre Hopkins. I think I would rather have Allen Robinson. Would I want Allen? Yeah. Who, who, would you rather have Allen Robinson or DK Metcalf? Allen Robinson. I'm concerned about DK Metcalf. We talked about it on the athletic podcast. And I said, sorry, Brandon, because he's Seattle, Seattle Seahawks fan. DK Metcalf's second half. I don't think people realize enough how much his second half was a drop off from his first half on yards, especially yards per reception, because we have the entire industry talked about how smart the Seahawks were by just letting Metcalf be Metcalf. Don't ask him to run comebacks. Don't ask him to run over the middle. Don't ask him to run curl routes and stuff like that, because that's not how DK Metcalf is. At the same time, the NFL and defenses are smart enough to say, you know what? He is limited in that facet. So 
Let's stop, you know, trying to get, you know, press coverage on it. Let's drop more on it to him. Let's bracket him deep. And you saw in the second half, his yards per reception dropped extreme amount. I want to say it was like, what, five, something around that. And it it's his target usage didn't really go down. He was still around eight per game with about two or two games that were over double digit targets. So his usage was the same. It's just that teams got smarter. Now, can the Seahawks under also a new system use DK Metcalf a little more intelligently? Absolutely. Could Russell Wilson cook for the entire season? Absolutely. But I'm going to take Allen Robinson because I know Allen Robinson is Allen Robinson, even with his quarterback question that people can throw out. Uh, just because I think that DK Metcalf was the second half of the season kind of turned into what Tyler Lockett was as in a wide receiver one with 30 points one week, 12, 12, and then a five and then a 12 and then a five. And so like, I feel he's headed down that path unless they change things this year. For Allen Robinson, do we think that Dalton is better at quarterback for him or Justin Fields? Justin Fields. Unless Dalton isn't the the converse of the Carson Wentz. The last two years of Andy Dalton is not the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever played with because the last year, two years of Andy Dalton is trash. If he bounces back on this team, then sure, it might be one of the best quarterbacks he's ever played with. But for me, I want Fields at quarterback week one. Uh, Fields, for everybody that was talking about Zach Wilson, look at this in the gym, rollout pass, flinging it down. Justin Fields was making the same throws, and nobody wanted to talk about Justin Fields making the same throws. Uh, Justin Fields would be a boon to the offense as a whole. All right, so here's how I'm going to do the top 24, and then we'll add in Kelsey, and we'll call it a day for the top 24. So the first two rounds, McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Zeke, Barkley, Kamara, Akers, Eckler. So a lot of running backs to start. Then you have Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephen Diggs, and Calvin Ridley as the top 12. Then Jonathan Taylor, then Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown. Does that sound sensible to you? Sounds sensible. I mean, we've talked about the little spots where we differ, but I have no problem with that entire group, really. All right, so let's throw in Travis Kelsey and see where he goes into this mix. (laughs) Is he better? Is he more valuable at his position than any of the wide receivers? Mm, Yes. So he should be taken above Tyreek Hill. If for if you're for argument's sake, yes. Well, ha, then, how about not in argument's sake? How about for <laughs> pertaining to these rankings' sake? For, see, I I just wouldn't take him over Tyreek Hill. I wouldn't take him over those. I you know I'm looking right now. I'll sort by my. I can get him up to. Yeah, twelve. He'd be the last pick in the first round for my ranks, which is right behind the Acres and right in front of your Jonathan Taylor. Not he's behind my Jonathan Taylor in front of your Jonathan Taylor. I'm just looking at it. Would I rather have Alvin Kamara or Travis Kelsey? Which makes me higher on Kelsey. I I always have him like number seven in my rankings, potentially even higher. I know you do. I make the same case for him every single year is that he's the tight end one. When was the last time he wasn't tight end one? Like 2016? No, but the case that I make conversely is that 2019, even though he was the, you know, number one tight end, the gap was minimal. So sure. And and, I mean that, that, substantially hurts his value if he's not the tight end one by a lot but just the fact that he's always the tight end one leads you (laughs) to like it's a certain amount of safety that you just don't seem to have at any other position absolutely but i don't i don't think if we're talking about health not being a factor i don't think there's much downside at all to tyreek hill i don't think there's if aaron Rodgers, or again assuming the aaron Rodgers conversation there's zero downside Devontae adams 
So well, I'm still but, taking but, but, both. But that, but that is sort of the argument to itself. Like you don't see there's a ton of downside to Hill. There's not a ton downside to Ridley or Adams or even right. Stefan Diggs at this point. But the fact that there's four of them and there's one of Travis Kelsey is the reason that Travis Kelsey is so valuable. That maybe someone, I, maybe someone can challenge him for tight end one. But that's a maybe. With these other guys, like, oh, which one's going to finish wide receiver one? Well, it could be any of the four of them. Sure. And that's where, like, again, that's that's something I've never disagreed with. I'm just going to take those wide receivers because I feel like even though there are four, there's such a reliability and upside to those four over the next group that I want one of those four. I want one of the running backs for the same conversation before we get to that third. I don't want to get to the third tier running backs. And at the first round, I don't want to dip into the second set of wide receivers yet. If similar to the draft where I took Kelsey, if those four wide receivers are gone and that running back tier is already pushing into the now do I make Nick Chubb a first rounder? I'm taking Kelsey. So it really depends on the board whether or not. But for me, Kelsey's going to be the back end of the first round. It's going to be how the board falls. For you, he's going to be mid-first rounder. And it's not that big of a difference. I think, let me see here. I think, I I mean, I like Austin Eckler a lot, but I agree that there's substantial downside with him if he's not scoring touchdowns. That I'd rather have Kelsey than Eckler. I'd rather roll the dice on Cam Akers over... Travis Kelsey in this spot in case he just ends up being running back number one, which I do think that he has the potential to do if his receiving game numbers do see a boost with McVay, with Matthew Stafford now in this new look offense. Not sorry, new look offense, but it's going to be substantially changed. And what they're able to do with Stafford versus Goff, I think, is going to lead itself some pretty easy receptions if Akers is playing 75% of the time, which I do project him to do. So I'm going to put in Kelsey between Akers and Eckler. So he would be number eight overall for me, then Eckler, then the receivers. Okay. Yeah. I would put him right behind those wide receivers again, which puts him at what, 12, right in your rankings or 13. Okay. So now let's put Darren Waller into the rankings. So I have at number two, do you think that he's closer to Kelsey or closer to Kittle? Because I think he's closer to I Kelsey. Think he's, I actually think he's closer to Kittle and I wouldn't be surprised if Kittle outplays him this year. I don't know why everybody hates Kittle so much. And like, oh, they have so many more options and blah, blah. Everything broke 100% right for Waller last year. And the only way, which I'm not saying isn't possible, but the only way he repeats last year is if Ruggs turns out to be a complete bust of a pick, if Brian Edwards is a complete bust of a pick, if John Brown has nothing left in his career. And that's the only way. Like Waller's target share was absurd. And I just don't see it being the same this year. I still like Waller. I still have him neck and neck with Kittle. But if I'm drafting a healthy Kittle, healthy, the healthy Kittle was the one that was pushing Travis Kelsey's heels and only 0.1 per game behind him two years ago is what we were just talking about. And everybody just hates Kittle now all of a sudden. I think everybody's buying high on Waller and just ignoring what Kittle can do. So I have them back-to-back super close. And I would, to be honest, if I'm drafting and I'm taking one, I'm taking Kittle. And I, I think I'm on an island on this one. I don't think you're necessarily on an island. Like, I'm looking at the overall numbers right now, and I guess I was wrong when I said Waller closer to Kelsey than Kittle because my numbers do not reflect that. I have Travis Kelsey in half-point PPR as 259 overall points. I have Waller at number two at 206 points 
And that leaves Mark Andrews and George Kittle right around 200. Then there's a giant gap between everyone else. Now, you can manually <laughs> adjust Kyle Pitts up if you want to, to make him number two or number three or number four, or however high that you want to put Kyle Pitts. But I think that's, number one. <laughs> that, that's the group of four. Maybe Waller is you know the slight edge in that group of three after Kelsey, but maybe they're all right around the same. I have less faith in Andrews than maybe the numbers do, but... I have a bit more faith week to week that he's going to, we talk about consistency. And if you're trying to perform each and every week, that it would be Waller, then Kittle, then Andrews in my mind. Those are still going to be my top four. I, I don't have the guts to go Pitts number four like you do. Okay. And that's certainly fair. And would you, you said you had Waller at 205.9. Is that what you said? Waller at 206.6, Kittle at 200.3, Andrews at 200.4. Okay. I would actually put Kittle number four, but I just think the Kittle's better. Yeah, I have I have Mark Andrews further down than you do. I think he's hurt by Bateman being there just to have another option and the, the usage being consistent wise. And what we've talked about already with Lamar Jackson, a twenty percent boost to pass attempts would make him five hundred pass attempts, and he's not getting twenty percent boost most likely. Uh, I went back and asked about the Kittle thing because I have Kittle at two hundred two point six, and I have Darren Waller at one ninety nine point two. So it's a slim margin, but again, if that's why I have Kittle just barely in front of him. I I think everybody's just forgetting how damn good Kittle is. Yeah, I, I think it, it is like, I mean, when you add in Ayuk, you add in another new running back, a potential new quarterback. Debo is going to be healthy for you know the entire season, presumably. He's not coming into the year that, right. yes, Kittle is going to be wide receiver one on that team, but it's not going to be a circum. Like, there was only so much to go around in that, like, pretty run-heavy offense to begin with that I don't know necessarily know if we see the heights that we saw two years ago that if last year, on a per-game basis, was still excellent, is probably a bit more the norm than what we saw two years ago. And with Andrews, like, just catch a third of the touchdowns you dropped last year, and you're doing great. <laughs> I mean, we could say Evan Ingram catches a third of the plays that you dropped, and he could be a good tight end in Evan Ingram. But I will say one thing about as we're talking about this, Kittle, for me, also, I will agree, has the lower floor uh, because we're not even incorporating the fact that what if they turn to Trey Lance pretty quick and Trey Lance is Josh Allen as a rookie, which is very likely and completing 53% of his passes or whatever it was, which everybody wants to call him the next Josh Allen, which we've dissected a million times. But there is a lower floor with Kittle. So I will never disagree with that. So where do the tight ends go in then? I obviously put Kelsey in. Let's put Waller and Kittle into the rankings. Do you think, I like to, when I do my top 150 rankings, I like to showcase tiers in the rankings. And that way I think that people can get a better gauge of really what I'm looking at. Like, oh, here's a pocket of wide receivers I would want to target right now. Here's a pocket of mm -hmm. running backs. Here's a pocket of tight ends. Do you think that these three top tight ends should be spread out a little bit? Like if I have Waller above Kittle, which I do as tight end number two, should he be in a tier by himself just a little bit higher than Kittle or should they just be back to back in the rankings? I wouldn't mind if like I'm looking at my overall rankings and there's two running backs in between them for me. So if you like, I think they're end of the second round, early third round in the groups of the running backs we haven't even talked about yet, like the Dobbins and the Gibsons of the world and the wide receivers being like the Coopers and the Julios of the world. Like that's that's the names that they start to drop into for my overall. OK, so would you go Darren Waller or Antonio Gibson? I would go Gibson. Would you go Terry McLaurin or Darren Waller? McLaurin. David Montgomery or Darren Waller? Waller. George Kittle or David Montgomry? Kittle. Clyde. Back to back for you. All right. The, 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 the tight ends or Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I go Clyde Edwards-Alaire. 
Okay. Would you go Cooper Cup or Darren Waller? Flip a coin. Okay. Amari Cooper. How do you want to build your team? Am- Amari Cooper or Darren Waller? As of today, Waller. It's, this is good. We talked about it on the show. Amari Cooper, I'm, this, this injury is starting to like give me pause. Now he can play 100% by week one. But I also think that even if he's 100%, there's a scenario where CeeDee Lamb is the best wide receiver on that team. I think it's open for that possibility. I, I think so too, but that's how he's being drafted now. That CeeDee Lamb is going like pick number 11 at wide receiver. Oh yeah, he's going in front of him. Yeah, I, I'd still rather have Amari Cooper at this point. Like, which is crazy because we never wanted Amari Cooper. No, I know. But now that he's becoming like a relative value compared to another guy on his own team who just hasn't done it before. And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, debate the merits of that. I don't think that the skill might rest with CD lamb, but it is year two. And I don't think that Michael Gallup is a zero on this team. Like there is a non-zero chance that Michael Gallup is just in the mix with these guys every single week. A hundred percent actually. And I was looking at that earlier today while I was adjusting to make sure my percentages made work made sense. Michael Gallup has the highest touchdown to reception rate of the three wide receivers for me. Ah, see that works out well. That That's one of the easy inputs that run the Sims. Like if you go over a hundred percent with anything, uh, it will tell you at the bottom that you've gone over a hundred percent. So <laughs> you might want to scale that. It'll, it'll still let you run the projections. You just, you might <laughs> just... want to scale it back for accuracy sake. <laughs> you mean you can't have everybody catching 40 touchdowns and the quarterback only throwing for 30? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that that's just something that it will not let you do. I will say something for you. I wouldn't even, for everybody out there, I would never even go to 100%. I would cap it off about 95% because you have to factor in the random no names, injuries where those guys come. Like, I would never, like, put it this way. For my projections, my quarterback never equals 100% of the targets and touchdowns and yards. There's always a little room for players that don't even make the cut. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree. I, we factor that into the baseline projections if you want to go okay. look at it. So like the market share of passing for Dallas this year is Dak Prescott, 98%. Uh, Benedicci, 2%. And then like <laughs> Gilbert, 1%. It's like 97 to one So it does take a few attempts and completions away from him as a build into that. Was that a, was there even a consonant when you just said this last name? What, Benedicci? Like that? You got to say it with the hands. <laughs> with the hands. Benedicci. You know what I mean? You should be watching my, my, my European tour picks. All the Italian golfers are great now. It's so much fun to say. <laughs> I, had, I had sports on in the background. They were doing the tennis thing, and the two announcers couldn't even pronounce the last names. So the, they kept screwing up the men's tennis players. And I'm like, this is, this is your job. And they can't even get their names right. Hey, it's my job too, but people are here to listen to me do funny voices and do things with a really nicknames. bad accent. Yep, and nicknames. And nicknames. That I can't yeah, ever do. Yeah, the, the nicknames are just, you know, they're, they're my bread and butter. It's really what separates me from, you know, the real analysts is that, you know, some people have good advice like you. Some people have good nicknames like me. And then we can come together and talk about all this. So I need to kind of need to figure out where to put these guys in because it's becoming kind of tricky at the moment. Like, so we want McLaurin in those guys, McLaurin, Gibson, Edwards, Alaire. So that's what was sort of our cutoff point in terms of running backs. Because after that, like you have Swift and Dobbins higher than me. I have Swift and Dobbins sort of at a tier by themselves where I acknowledge that. No, I have Dobbins. We agreed on Swift. I, I we, we agreed that Swift has a lot more risk than people are giving him. I think they both have a lot of risk. Like it, uh, the J.K. Dobbins thing just comes down to a lot like the Aaron Jones thing where I'd just rather have Gus Edwards. 
Mm, yeah, and I the complete opposite way. I'm I am team Dobbins for life over here. It really comes down to well, I already made the argument. It's like the reason Mark 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 Andrews Mark Ingram was even a fifth rounder last year was not because Mark Ingram's that great. It was because he's on the Ravens. Touchdown percentages should normalize across the league, but there are some offenses that lend themselves to it, and the Ravens have done it since Lamar Jackson's been at quarterback. It's not all of a sudden like, you know, maybe a touchdown percentage of like. 8% is ridiculous, but I can't see it even probably jump, jump, dropping, if I could just talk, under about 6% for Dobbins. I know he scored in every single game, but Gus Edwards was also a top 25. He didn't disappear. He was a top 25 running back the same time J.K. Dobbins was 8 once Mark Ingram was done. So that's where I am. I'm not saying I'm right, you're wrong, but this is why I love J.K. Dobbins. I'm a huge fan of him as a talent. I actually think he's underutilized in the passing game, and we know Gus Edwards is not going to be the passing game option, so that's where I'm at on Dobbins. But if you want to break Dobbins off, I'm not going to argue at length about it. Well, the big thing with me in this, and I, the reason that I tier Swift and Dobbins together in the rankings is mainly because I envision an upside to them where they could potentially be top five running backs this year. Everything would have to go right for them. All of that unrealized potential and usage within both of their team's offenses would have to come through. I'm just betting that it's not going to come through. And the way that I, when I say I like Edwards over Dobbins, I don't necessarily mean that Gus Edwards is going to outscore J.K. Dobbins. But what I'm saying is that J.K. Dobbins is going to pick number 28 overall. Gus Edwards is going to pick number 111 overall. I'd just rather have Gus Edwards. Yeah, and I, I see it. I, I would rather just have both. Because if something happens to Dobbins, Edwards is going to be enormously valued. I just... I don't know how much you're going to be able to start Edwards every single week, even at that almost a zero cost. What that's round twelve? Yeah, that, that's a terrific value. Yeah, so you do, and the thing is, you don't now have to play him every single week. You can just wait for something right. to happen. You're in a pinch. You need to play someone. It's like it's not like he's a zero guy uh, every single week, even when J.K. Dobbins is playing now. I'm losing, and it's funny because it's sort of antithetical to what I talked about at the beginning of I want to shoot for the highest upside possible, but I also have to make concrete stances on guys too, where I just think that's a bit too high for me when it comes down to it. Like, there's receivers I'd rather have, and if the opportunity cost is I could take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, DeAndre Swift, or J.K. Dobbins, I'm taking Edwards-Hilaire and then taking like so am I. and taking the backup running backs from both those teams 100 picks later and just hoping that works out. And yeah, that's the way you go about it. where did you, where did Dobbins fall for you overall? I know you said he's going 28th overall is what you said. He's going to in high stakes ADP. He is 28 right now. Okay. And where do you have him overall? Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. So we're through oh, okay. 24. <laughs> I was uh, going to say, cause I actually have him a little bit higher than that. So we're at picks 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. So he would be 30, 30 for me at the moment. But we still haven't put in this next tier of wide receivers yet, which is it would now go A.J. Brown, McLaurin, Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Waller, Kittle, Dobbins, Swift is how the rankings would shake out. Like that would be. What are your next wide receivers? My next wide receivers up on the list are going to be. Let me find the wide receivers. Where's my wide receiver list? I had it out. Now I don't have it out. It's Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Thielen, Evans, Woods, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, Deontay Johnson, Kenny Galladay, DJ Moore, Brennan Cooks, Devonta Smith. I think that all those guys are a part of that tier, but I think that some of them I would rather have than Dobbins. Mm, yeah, well, not Dobbins for me, but Swift, yes. And you know how much 
we, we already had that conversation. Everybody just go watch the show about the Andre. Swift yeah, I, I, I'm putting, but I'm putting situation. those two guys together. Like that's going to be, oh, a, right, right, right. that's going to be a tier for me. They're going to be back to back and they're, it's going to go Dobbins, then Swift. And that's going to be a tier for me. I just have to okay. know, I just have to figure out, do we want the Cup, Cooper, Godwood, Julio, Theo and Evans and Robert Woods of the world to be above Waller, to be above Dobbins, or do they come in after above like David Montgomery? I would say above David Montgomery, the only ones I was thinking about because you're putting them back to back. But if it was for me, I might split them and slide in Julio and Godwin, then go to Swift. But either way, if we're doing this, they're they're in front of David Montgomery. If you're keeping those two together, they're behind them and in front of David Montgomery. I would definitely take those guys before Montgomery. I think we talked about it on that show too. It's just people are forgetting how valuable Tariq Cohen is in the passing game, and David Montgomery's value was. The, the volume was off the charts. You can't deny that. And also the schedule helped a lot. He's not going to be facing five of the seven worst run defenses for the last five games of the season for the rest of all 2021. Well, it's funny because I kind of packaged Dobbins and Swift together as a tier. I actually have Montgomery, Mike Davis, and Chris Carson as a tier as well. Three running backs who are entirely volume-based that no one really wants but could be really good. Did you skip past Jacobs? Because I put Jacobs in that group. No, I have Jacobs behind that group. Oh, I would I would put Jacobs and Gaskin in that group. I think Gaskin's in the same situation as Mike Davis. Is it's a volume if he is the guy again, that's a great situation. But there is risk that you know maybe he doesn't even get a thousand rushing yards, and they split it up more than we think. Oh, that, that bitch, Carol Gaskin, gotta watch out for him. <laughs> I forgot about Carol Gaskin. Yeah, you'd be surprised how quickly some of this stuff goes out of the ether after being the biggest thing on TV for like 10 days. That's a name I haven't heard in some time. Uh, I, I think that there's a big difference between Davis and Gaskin, to be perfectly honest with you, because I think that we've seen enough from the interchangeability of the running backs on Miami. Plus, if you take a leap forward for Tua and he does call his own number a little bit more, um, that you could just be in a situation where the like even to give Gaskin... You know, a decent percent of the target share. I think he's good, mind you. But if all of a sudden, like, Salvin Ahmed or Lynn Bowden is somehow, you know, being used in the backfield as, like, a scat back and that takes away from him. The, the thing with Davis is that he's just this year's David Montgomery and that there's no one taking away. Like, essentially what you projected out for Todd Gurley last year is what you can project out for mm-hmm. Mike Davis this year. Probably plus a little bit more in the receiving game. Uh, see, and that's where we kind of differ a little bit. I actually, I'm looking right now, I have Gaskin's target share equi- like more than the rest of the backfield combined. Ahmed, Malcolm Brown, Laird, and even if Dokes makes the team. Uh, I just, I think he's going to be used that much. Uh, but where I will say, I do agree with you, and maybe he's not in the same conversation as Davis. It's just, I don't have him even getting 200 rushes because I do think Ahmed and Malcolm Brown are, in fact, people are forgetting they brought in Malcolm Brown. Uh, but if you look at that, I think Mike Davis's rushing numbers are safer. I think their receiving numbers are going to be very similar. Uh, I actually have Gaskin an eight, uh, let's see, a nine, 9% target market share, which is the equivalent of every other running back on the team combined. So Ahmed, Brown, so and Laird all together. And that's not including Lynn Bowden, who, where do I have him at? Lynn Bowden, Lynn Bowden. I have him I'm at 2.2%. I, I am at 1%. I actually think he gets, there's the, that's the, that's the whole thing with this backfield. Like, no one wants to believe that Mike Davis is A, good, which you know, is pretty debatable, and B, that he'll just end up being the running back in Atlanta. Everyone is just searching for another option, like, oh, could it be this guy? Could it be that guy? Could it be this guy? Will they bring someone in to eventually replace this guy who's no good? What if he's just the running back? Then all of a sudden he's a steal. 
Yeah, we we discussed that very thing on that uh, this NFC Shell show, and I said, Jake, you have I'm to remember Jake. that not everyone watched that show. No, I was trying to help you by like getting people to go click and watch that one as well. But so they, they, they can, can watch, watch this, this one. I, that's the case that I make. Okay. Yeah, but you get double the double the clicks. I was trying to help you out. Screw okay. that. I'm okay, okay, okay. Out. Thank but, you. So what, what I was going to say is I am a Javian Hawkins fan. I thought he should have been drafted. I understand because of this draft class and a lot of the team's needs that there just wasn't enough room for all these running backs, and there's a lot of talent that fell into the undrafted free agent pool, which isn't a guarantee. I like Hawkins. I think he should step in and be there Tariq Cohen. He still has to make the roster. He's still an undrafted free agent who this team didn't care about until after the draft. So I'm saying that to be like, I agree with you. I think Mike Davis still today and for a while until the fantasy industry is talking about him so much, I do think he's finally going to get to the correct price point. But as of right now, Mike Davis is one of the best values at any position in drafts, even if Javian Hawkins makes the team is what I'm getting at. I'm looking at high stakes ADP right now. So from the past two weeks, this is 72 drafts. He is still going after Miles Gaskin. He's going after James Robinson. He's going after yeah. Kareem Hunt. I, I would just rather roll the dice yeah. that he's good and he's the starter and he wildly <laughs> outperforms that. I would take him over all of those guys and David Montgomery. And you might even talk. I, I would, I'd sit there and debate taking him over Miles Sanders. Oh, I would, I would take him over Miles Sanders, for sure. Uh, you know I'm concerned about Miles Sanders in the passing game, but he ha he still has the talent. I, I would have him haul on that one. I might go Mike Davis, but I would have him haul on that one. Okay, so like the, the running back rankings for me go. It's Mike Davis, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders. That's the next thing. Do you think that Miles Sanders should be on that tier? Like If, if that's a tier of three, yes. do I just make it a tier of four? I think it's a fair tear for him. And I say because I could also see him getting back to being Miles Sanders and jumping up to the next tier. But we've talked about a lot with these running backs is things have to go right. Uh, this team is the Eagles have told us nothing, but they are also concerned about Miles Sanders in the passing game by who they brought in and they still have Boston Scott. So I say there's an issue here of the downside, but Miles Sanders talent and his ability, if he can get right, He's still good enough to be talent-wise a top 20 running back and for fantasy purposes, even potentially top 15. But he deserves to be in this tier because of the concerns. So I'm wagering that I'm higher on Cooper Cup than you are, as I have Cup at the beginning Ooh. of this tier and Woods at the bottom of this tier. I think that they're close. I think I'd rather Cooper Cup for this season, though, with Matthew Stafford. I, I agree with you. What do you have him at wide receiver overall? Uh, wide receiver, one, two, three, four, five, number 12. Okay, you are higher, but not by much. So it might be wide receiver 17. The, the rankings for me go Cup, Cooper, Godwin, Julio, Thielen, Evans, Woods, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb. I th do you think that's a tier unto itself, or does that get broken up like Cup, Cooper, Godwin, Jones, Thielen, Gap, Evans, Woods, Chase, Lamb, or Evans and Woods a part of that first year, or is just do you think you're good with all of those guys? I'm good with all those guys. Would you throw there's such Deontay Johnson uh, is next on the list? Is Deontay Johnson yes, deserve to be in that group. tier? Does Kenny Galladay deserve to be in that no. tier? Or is that the break? That's the break. Okay. So I take that group of let's say nine wide receivers. Now to put them in the overall rankings, uh, we kind of agreed that we like Darren Waller and Kittle more than all those guys, right? Mm-hmm. And then so and this is what's so good about taking a running back is because almost all those wide receivers or like 80% of them are sitting there in the third round. Oh, for sure. Like that, that's, 
where these receivers are ranked in mine is going to be above where I believe that their ADPs are at the moment. That might not break down that way because people are really overdrafting uh, wide receivers at their running backs at this point, like the Swifts and Dobbins, at least in my mind, that those guys are just going to go higher than them. So would you put mm-hmm. that wide receiver tier after Kittle before Dobbins and Swift? Or is it Dobbins and Swift, then these guys, then Mike Davis, Chris Carson, David Montgomery type of thing? Like, would you rather have Chris Godwin or would you rather have J.K. Dobbins? I'd rather have Dobbins, but I'd rather have Godwin than Swift. Interesting. But it's close enough that if you're talking tiers, I would almost just smush all those wide receivers with Dobbins and Swift. Like, just what did you do in the first two rounds? Do you go Swift or Dobbins, or do you go with one of these wide receivers? I think it just kind of depends on where you are. That's I know we're doing wide receivers and tiers separately, but I would just smush it into all like one big tier of ten guys. Okay, I, I can see that. So then we go like on an individual basis. Then we go J.K. Like, would you go J.K. Dobbins or Cooper Cup? I'd go Dobbins, but if I already have a bell cow running back, then I'd probably lean towards Cooper Cup. It's funny because I think if you have a bell cow running back, Dobbins is a nice compliment for something like that, where of course. Na- now you don't need the lean on him to like really come through. He can have his like down weeks where like Edwards or Lamar does most of the rushing, but you still get to bask in the glory of these like top five running back weeks along with your McCaffrey or Camara or Barkley or whoever it is. I think he's a nice complimentary piece. I don't disagree at all, but also we're talking about that next tier of running backs that aren't in this group that we already talked about. It's, you know, if I go cup there, I could get one of those running backs who have similar upside, a little less risk, but it's more of the wide receiver. It's going to depend on, I know we're trying to make your rankings, but it really just depends on how you did your first two rounds for me. Yeah, but I mean, that's going to be unknowable because everyone's going to be right. different with that. Okay, so- oh, no, no, no. You, you don't get the questions of who should I take at the eighth pick because <laughs> you know the seven, first seven picks. Yeah, I, I just uh, honestly, when people ask me dumb questions like that, I just say Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> I like it. Makes it easy. And then they get the point, I think. Like you, you can use these as a guide to go through. So I'm probably going to have Dobbins a little bit more down on this. It's really that Julio Thielen type thing. I, I think like we're dealing with like wide receiver ones on teams who might not even be the highest scoring receiver on their own team. So I'm making a choice here that I think that Cup is better than Woods. I think that Cooper is better than Lamb. I think that Godwin is better than Evans. Not by a substantial amount, but that's the way that I have them ranked. I think that Brown is better than Julio. I think that Jefferson is better than Thielen. And that's sort of this entire tier. Um, so I'll go Dobbins after Godwin. And before Julio. But then when I put Swift in, like, would you rather have Robert Woods or DeAndre Swift? Swift. Would you rather have Adam Thielen or DeAndre Swift? (sighs) That's it. That pause is it. So that tells me volumes. So that now goes A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin. This is the beginning of the third round. So A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, J.K. Dobbins, Julio Jones, and Adam Thielen. I believe that is 12. Let me count that to make sure. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 
nailed it. And then the beginning of the fourth round would be Swift, Evans, Woods, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, Deontay Johnson, Mike Davis, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders. Do you think that, I mean, that when we talked about the tiers, that, that sounds about right. Or would you elevate that little mini running back tier above Chase and Lamb and Woods and Mike Evans? Mm, I think, again, kind of smoosh them together. Okay. They're I'll, in the same I'll, conversation. I'll, I'll just leave them as tiered within my ranking so people can see the, full, disin- the, yeah, the distinction between those guys. Yeah, for half and full point PPR, the receivers are the better bet. But, I, I think you know, if you're looking for the safer bet anyway, the receivers are the better option. It's just if we're playing for upside and, like he said, like value, that if you hit the running back here, you hit big. Yeah, you could, but... Whew. And this is, again, this is why I don't want to be in the third and fourth round and forcing myself to pull up these running backs. Well, that gives us about a tie. It gives us the top 48 on the board. And you can check out all of my rankings down in the description up on DK Playbook. And we're going to be talking more and more about this. Maybe we'll try to continue to fill out the rest of the rankings and debate them through on next week's show. And like I said, we've already had 10 fantasy football preview shows find them all in the description up on the pat mayo experience audio podcast plus if you're in the market to win some just cash if you go rate and review the pat mayo experience audio podcast right now on apple podcast you can find that link in the description you say five stars something nice about the show leave your twitter handle or email address i'm doing a draw it's for the british open but hey i don't want to exclude my fantasy football brethren as well you go leave that review right now you're in a draw to win i mean there's going to be a pool of like a thousand bucks of a giveaway all you have to do is go leave that review takes 20 seconds you can win like 200 bucks or something like that so i suggest you go do that right now okay apple podcast help us out here and share the show around i want to end with quarterbacks and where to put these guys in at least at the top obviously i have it as mahomes my rankings are mahomes lamar josh allen kyler dak those are my top five i think that those five guys are better than the rest do any of them deserve to be on this list of the top 50 like where does mahomes go i mean he will we he will. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. where he goes and where we rank him, because we both kind of agree that his ADP right now of not CJ Uzuma, Patrick Mahomes of twenty six, probably a bit too high. Too high. But that doesn't mean yeah. that he's outside the top fifty at the same time. Like there would become a point where I'm looking at the board, Patrick Mahomes isn't gone. I'm like, yeah, give me Patrick Mahomes. That's a good pick now. I'd say I'm looking right now, like around. Th- 30-ish. Like once Gibson at running back is off the board and once we get through Waller and Kittle and that wide receiver group that we were putting in there with like the that Cooper t- So Michael so w- so would you would you rather have Patrick Mahomes or Amari Cooper? I'd still take Cooper. Would you rather have Chris Godwin or Patrick Mahomes? Godwin. Would you rather have JK Dobbins or Patrick Mahomes? Dobbins, keep going. Julio. Is that now a, I'm thinking about that. That actually that actually it. works with the tiers because it goes Godwin, Dobbins. Like Dobbins is sort of the breakup of that wide receiver tier. Like it's one tier, mm-hmm. but it's kind of split into part A and part B amongst all of the running backs. I mean, that's where Mahomes could easily go in. You could go Waller, Kittle, Cup, Cooper, Godwin, Dobbins, Mahomes, Julio, Thielen. Yeah, I could definitely I could work with that. And that and would then be, Murray and Allen coin flip. 25 gets into the conversation. 7, 8, 9, 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. That would make him 35 overall in the rankings. 
And that's usually about where I say, like, I'm willing to take a running or a quarterback is late third, middle third, depending just on how the board looks at that point. All right. So that makes, yeah, that, wor- that works out perfectly. Well, what about Lamar Jackson then, who I have at number two, but I think that he's very much smudged in this tier. Like, I think all four of those quarterbacks are very, very similar in terms yeah. of baseline performance. The reason that I have Lamar at number two is just I truly believe that his upside is higher than these guys. Like unless Josh Allen rushes for like 12 touchdowns, which I don't think that he's going to do. I think we might see a little bit of a step back in terms of the rushing numbers, at least for the health and safety of the poor guy. I think that's going to be the case, but no matter how you kind of cut the projections, how you think about it in your head, Lamar through Dak should be really close. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Lamar Jackson can still finish as the number one in front of Patrick Mahomes. I would have all three of them, in a group and then probably Dak is on their heels, but there'd be a smidge of a gap where I think all of them should be in the fourth round conversation. You mean Lamar, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray? Yes. Okay. So would you go Mike Davis or Lamar Jackson? That's I'm going Lamar Jackson. So that's the tier then. Yeah. So would you go Jamar Chase or Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson. Would you go Robert Woods or Lamar Jackson? Lamar. DeAndre Swift or Lamar Jackson? Probably depends on how my team turned out. So right there is that to answer your question from earlier, where I just gave you the answer by pausing. Yeah. Okay. So that would then look (laughs) like we have at number 35 overall, Patrick Mahomes would be there. So 36, bump him down. So then the fourth round would start Thielen, Swift, Lamar, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. Do you think that's too high for them? It picks like 40? I don't think it is again. I wouldn't like that's I'm trying to, you know, you're looking at the value loss at the position of what you gain from everybody else. And I mean, that's why I say Dak even deserves to be here because Dak was the number one on a points per game basis is that's you're getting that edge. Cause now, as soon as you drop off these five quarterbacks, now you're talking about, don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. All right. Even if you say Aaron Rodgers is coming back, but now it's, Herbert in his second season, uh, Tom Brady being able to throw like a madman again this year with no rushing upside, which we talked about on that show. Uh, you talk about Trevor Lawrence as a rookie, Joe Burrow in his second season, like all those guys, they're they're in a whole nother group where it's almost like these guys should be going, these quarterbacks should be going mid, late fourth round. Maybe they make it to the fifth, but then you're waiting another round or two before you start getting to the other quarterbacks. So that's where I could see making the argument that they should be around here because it's similar to the Kelsey Kittle Waller conversation of what you drop off of this tier. It's actually a it's like a couple rounds versus just being all right. It's this you know ten picks later. Okay, I I went back and slaughtered them because I wanted to leave a substantial like not a substantial one, but enough of a gap in the rankings between Mahomes and these guys. I think that they're close, but they're not quite on his level. So Mahomes goes in between J.K. Dobbins and Julio Jones. Lamar will come in after Deontay Johnson before Mike Davis. So it will go Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, Deontay Johnson, Lamar, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, then Mike Davis, Chris Carson, Montgomery, Miles Sanders. And that would be your top 55 picks overall to start these drafts. That's pretty solid. All right, I'm, I'm and I can even see going Dak over those two of those guys. I mean, I can throw Dak into that tier too. Hmm. He could be there or not. Yeah, I mean, Careful. I think I, I think that when we're looking at outliers now, like Dak and Russell Wilson are a bit of an outlier, is like a sandwich tier. Mark Andrews and Pitts and Hawkinson, I think, are like they're not necessarily all on the same tier, but those are very clearly, at least in my mind, the next three guys off the board at their particular positions. I just have to 
figure out in terms of running backs and wide receivers where those guys are going to fall. And I'll have that in the, you, know, you hit the rankings right now, and you'll see what the finalized list will. And I'll have, I think I'll have Meany on next week, and we'll break down this tier. Maybe we'll go position by position, try to flesh everything out. But I, I think that I'm pretty satisfied with this. Thank you for help walking me through this and holding my hand. <laughs> I'll hold your hand. We were doing it side by side. We were walking like boyfriend, girlfriend bumping against each other, and they can't walk because they try to put arms around each other. Oh, that's so nice. Do, do you dream about this? <laughs> Wait, would you wear a collared yeah, shirt for that date? <laughs> I know, because I, if I'm going on a date with you, I can't live up to your shirt game. So, no, I would have to just do a T-shirt. I mean, I'm sort of the opposite in real life. I wear this on the show. I wear the T-shirts in real life when I'm out. But I'm also married with <laughs> so kids. you should do. Point. Confuse everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, when are your rankings dropping? Uh, draft kit. It's the week of July 12th. I don't know if it's the 12th, 13th, 14th. It's Monday, Tuesday. Like that's when they come out. Also going to have a lot of customizable if you want to download it and play with the, yeah, you can play with the scoring system too. Cool. Theathletic.com. You can follow Jake on Twitter at all in kid. I told you about the giveaways. Leave a five-star rating and review with your Twitter handle and email on Apple podcast to get in that pool of people who could end up being drawn as a winner for some cold, hard cash. But the big thing today, runthesims.com. Use it free right now when you sign up for the next month. You want to get that early bird founders discount. If you use code Mayo, it's going to be $199 for the year for NFL, and it will be $199 for life, like the NWO. So that's probably something you're going to want to get now. Go in right now. Go use all the tools. Go use all the projections. Check out the advanced stat hub. You can even play around with the optimizer and all the props from week one last year just to give you a sense of what it's going to look like and how easy it is to use. And when you have your own profile, you can save everything that you want to make sure that it stays there. It's like old school Nintendo. Once you get to a certain level, you want to hit save to make sure you don't need to go back to the beginning. We have that feature built in for you. Again, runthesims.com. Highly recommend you go check it out if you want the most customizable tools and stats and no one telling you what to do you get to tell the tools what to do so it accurately reflects what you want to be doing and what you're looking for and what you think is going to happen this season in the nfl other than that smash the like give me your top five in the comment section and subscribe to mayo media network find all previous shows down in the description as well i'm pat mayo thank you all for watching i'll see you next time This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.